Welcome to the DBS Films Podcast, a behind-the-scenes look into making indie films. Learn from DBS Films about their process, tips, and fun stories that all come with making multiple movies a reality. Hey everybody, welcome to the DBS Films Podcast. My name is Kellen, with me as always is my brother Brennan. Together we make movies with DBS Films. Today's episode, we're going to highlight our thoughts on the current writer strike that is going on in Hollywood. Our insights when it comes to the industry, what we think, and how it's going to play out over the next course of these two episodes. As always, be sure to take a look at our Discord channels online because we make movies for our fans with our fans. So if you ever want to be part of the movie making process, go ahead and download the Discord app, click the link in our many bios, and you will be on set with us if you get through the audition process. So also be sure to take a look at our newest movie, Force to Death Online. It is currently on Amazon. You download that, you watch it, leave a review. It means the world to us and helps us grow and make more movies. So that all being said, we're going to hop into a hot button topic that is in the industry right now. This episode, we're going to kind of highlight the changing of the environment that's led to the writer's strike. And then in the next episode this week, we're going to highlight basically our overall thoughts on how it might play out and just where the different elements lie when it comes to the current strike. Now, first thing we want to mention is we are showing a lot of solidarity when it comes to the writers because as creatives, you know, we are natural writers ourselves. We write our own scripts, we film our own scripts, we make our own movies. So we understand the creative process and just how key and important it is um, when it comes to the you know, writer strikes. So I'll be the first one to say they definitely deserve a lot more when it comes to that creative process. Unfortunately, though, and this is going to be the first topic of the you know, uh, episodes that we have here, is just how the landscape has changed so much and why it's kind of led to this writer's strike to begin with. So first thing I really want to kind of highlight is, you know, there's been a lot of shifts in the overall landscape of writing. And, you know, one thing that we've mentioned is it's never been easier to kind of make and produce things. And there's a lot of technological advances for that. And this is over kind of the many eras of Hollywood. If you look at, you know, the first era of Hollywood, you didn't even have any kind of email or word processors. You're basically a typewriter. So like you have to actually physically have a script done. And if you're going to write this physical script, you basically have to be in Hollywood in these writer rooms to basically hash them out. Things develop, technologies changes, you have word processors, you have email, you have all of these things that naturally make the job of not only writing, but filmmaking easier. With that being said, it kind of opens up and makes it so it's never been easier to be a writer. It's never been easier to be a filmmaker. But it's never been harder to have a career because you have so many people that are able to produce these things. And naturally, you're up against, you know, the capitalistic factors of studios, which because of that, it naturally makes it so that it's easier for them to find writers and find materials and find movies. So you want to kind of highlight how technology has made it easier to be a writer than ever before. But it's also made it harder to have a solidified career just because you have so many new writers and so many new people creating. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely a changing landscape. Um, the last time this happened, um, you know, there's a lot of changes in the ecosystem as well. But I think this time's just a little bit different. I think we're pushing more towards, uh, you know, the streaming platforms or more tech companies. You're asking for a lot of money and a lot of things from the writer side, which is very justified. But you're asking, you know, the streaming platforms right now where everyone's kind of cutting back. The uh, gold rush of the subscriber era of the streaming service is kind of gone. I mean, Disney just released their earnings uh, yesterday and they lost 400,000 subscribers. And that's Disney with Star Wars and all their stuff. So I think as we're, you know, the economy is softening, as things are getting a little bit more difficult, it's kind of hard to justify $12 for Disney, $10 for Netflix, and all these kind of smaller subscriptions all of a sudden 
you're back up to a hundred bucks and you're paying, you know, what cable was before. So we've kind of gone full circle. And I think a lot of these streaming services are going to get hurt and they're looking to kind of cut costs at the time when writers are looking to, you know, increase their cost. So I think we're in a very difficult situation for both sides, but I do think that the writers need to stand strong because I think this is a very important negotiation for them moving forward is going to set the precedent moving forward and, you know, the way that the streaming companies have operated has kind of put them at a disadvantage the last couple of years. You know, the residuals are gone. The large writer rooms are gone. It's harder to, you know, be involved in the process and make really creative work. And you're getting pressed up against an algorithm that essentially says, hey, this group of people wants this. Go ahead and write this. So we've kind of lost sort of that creativity, the heart of these movies, Um on some of these platforms, which is a shame, but I'm hoping that the writers can come in, they can stand unified, they can stand strong and, you know, get what they deserve. And we can kind of see, you know, a new creative outlet as far as really good creative writing being done, you know, and then putting that creative quality content, you know, onto these uh, streaming platforms. Because I think now, as, you know, these streaming services are cutting back, they're going to start to look at, all right, where are we making our most money? And that's with really quality shows. If you have a really, really good show, then people are going to flock to it. We saw it with the Chernobyl show on HBO, with Last of Us, when Netflix comes out with a really good banger movie, it draws people to that subscription service as opposed to kind of what they were doing before, which was just having a lot of content. They were always like, we want to have the most content. Our service is the most content. And I'm starting to see, and I'm starting to think that their idea of all this content is kind of get, you know, taken back a little bit. And they're going to focus on making quality stuff, which should give opportunities for more writers, for new writers and for new ideas to be shared, as opposed to, you know, the, the more generic, just content stuff. That's a little bit safer. Exactly that. I mean, it really is one of those cases where like it's a challenging landscape and we'll hop in more to um, the specifics of kind of, you know, the streamers up against the writers and kind of the details of that in the next episode, along with also kind of the the dangers that potentially AI can, you know, pose when it comes to uh, the agreements and everything that they're doing. Um, you know, really one of the things that I kind of wanted to highlight is the the career aspect. You know, a lot of times people have been mentioning Hollywood's turning more into gig type things. And I really kind of wanted to highlight that because one thing that we've mentioned just on the filmmaking side of things is like the heyday, you know, dream scenario that a lot of filmmakers still have in their head. And it's kind of preached in film school is that there is something where it's like, you know, if you go ahead and you make a short, then you'll get funded and then you'll go ahead and you can be a feature director and then you'll be good to go. And then if you look at like on the writer's side, you know, you get on like the blacklist and they pick up your, your movie and now you're, you know, uh, going to be a, a famous star. Like you're basically going to have the support when really what's shifted now is you really need a final product. You know, you need to have that final movie, which is where we find DBS. You know, we take care of everything. We get a final product out there. So the individual roles are kind of being diminished in value. And we don't see like, not just in writing, but we see in everything, in every aspect of film. So like, you want to kind of comment how, because the industry has changed and there's so much content now, and it's so easy to create content that regardless of the role, you almost need to have multiple facets to, to add enough value to have a career. And again, it's, you know, I, I wish it wasn't the case, but it, it definitely is the case that we're seeing is you really need to 
you know, line up these multiple gigs, be writing on multiple projects, have multiple things, because no longer the home run or the one and done scenario case that was in, you know, the 90s or the 2000s, when you had DVDs, when you had a lot of sales, that whole case has kind of been eroded over the, the last two decades, especially. Yeah, and usually um, most people who are working in the Hollywood system are able to work on different things, whether they're actors and writers, whether they're writers and they work behind the camera in some facet, whether a DP that also, you know, does, you know, electrical stuff or does lighting and other stuff. The more you know, the more you can contribute, the more opportunities you're going to get. And as we see the price of these movies continually consolidate and we're at the micro budget level, but really, if I could hire someone who can do multiple jobs, who can wear multiple hats, that person is much more valuable than someone who is just specialized. And a specialized person might be better at their job, but really where we're at right now and where Hollywood's kind of going with the, you know, they can get more people to do similar jobs That'll just be more beneficial to you. And, you know, do I wish it was that way? No. Would I like to just be a director? Yes. But now I have to sit here and be, you know, the writer, the DP and the editor just to get these movies done. And I think that's how you have to make, you know, indie films going forward. I don't think this is going to change. And there's benefits as far as like I'm one chain of communication that the whole vision stays more pure as opposed to having a whole bunch of other people working on the project, but it is more work and it's probably less pay for more jobs, but you have to diversify. You have to, you know, be nimble. And, you know, especially if you want consistent work, that's just the nature of the beast, essentially. Um, Costs of movies, everything is coming down. The cameras are coming down the payments from streaming platforms are coming down. Everything is consolidating. The days of $10 million movies that get their money back on DVDs are gone. So I think the the people who are going to be successful in the next five to 10 years are the ones who understand that and who remain flexible who and who understand and learn as many things as you possibly can on set, which is why we always preach to try and, you know, even if you're brought on set for one job, try and learn as much as you possibly can because if you're diversified, if you can help out in any way, then the you know I'm always looking for people who can help out, who do multiple roles, who wear multiple hats. Those are the people that I'd much rather bring back because they can help just take a little bit off my plate. I mean, it really is exactly that. You you really have to almost work harder. And I think one of the biggest issues in this industry is you know this is not an industry that you do for pay. You know, it's not like finance or even software developing or, you know, one of those higher paying roles that, you know, you essentially take the role because you want to get paid. You take these roles for passion. You know, if you talk to creatives, you want to create, you want to be part of this process. And I think because of that, that almost flips the scale in reverse. And the studios know this, you know, you hear all of the horror stories of Hollywood where you essentially on the lower levels are seen as completely replaceable. And it is something that we strive to try and change here with DBS in the sense of building our community, rewarding our fans, casting from our community, all of these things to really reward those people who are about it. But in the Hollywood system, I mean, you have a new wave of people every single time that it's not even, you know, them undercutting other people. It's them getting their foot in the door. So I think what you end up seeing is the issue with this with a career is typically in other careers, as you get more experience and as you become higher up in the, the corporate ladder, you get more stability, you get more, um, you know, uh, uh, increases in wages and things. 
Whereas the creative element, because of the shifting landscape, kind of the opposite. You know, you, you really, at any point in time, we see it just on kind of like the video production side of things for like when we had our marketing business, any new marketing company that wants to get their foot in the door, what are they going to do? They're going to undercut your price. And when at the end of the day, you're looking at that balance sheet as a corporate side of things, the only thing you can guarantee is keeping that, that budget low. Again, this is nothing that, you know, we're happy exists, but this really is the case of things where I would say the studios do hold the upper hand when it comes to passion because they can play on people's passion, people that are willing to do this because they're just getting started. And that really ends up making it a much harder career advancement. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's so critical for the writers to strike now is because they need to solidify this as a career and not just a paid gig or a side job that you can do because, I mean, it really is something to, to you know, have a sustainable middle-class life is, is getting tougher and tougher with these creative industries because of it. Yeah. I mean, there's just a lot of competition. There's a lot of writers who, you know, want to write. Um, and, you know, unfortunately for the film industry, it hasn't had the revolution that the publishing industry has with the publishing industry. What happened was, you know, with uh, Kindle unlimited uh, opening up and with Amazon, all of a sudden you didn't need to go to these traditional, distribution companies the big four the harper collins of the world to publish your mo- or to publish your books the so everyone all of a sudden all you had to do is upload to amazon and then you could essentially make a lot of money being an author and that's great in that i wish that would happen with the film industry and it almost happened uh you know back when amazon opened up their streaming platform where people were could upload movies the difference is it's very easy to write a book as far as you don't need a budget for a book you don't need to work with other people for a book um the costs of a book are almost nothing it's just your time and your ability to write um and with a movie you're working with a lot of people you know it's very hard to make a you know have a strong solid vision all the way through you need a budget you need to know what you're doing and I think the platform just got flooded with a lot of movies that just were not very good or up to Amazon's quality and they shut that program down. And now you have Film Hub and there's, you know, smaller distribution stuff. But, you know, if you're uploading on Film Hub and on some of these smaller platforms, you don't have a team of writers. So that ecosystem never really, you know, expanded. The The Hollywood system is still strong and it's strong as ever. Um right now and those are the gatekeepers those are the people saying hey you i want this writer but not this writer i want this guy and not that guy so there's not a lot of freedom you have to really kind of you know bend your knee in front of this giant hollywood machine and that's exactly what we're seeing right now it's come to a complete head where you have the writers and the hollywood system you know essentially fighting and the hollywood system now is the big streaming platforms i think it's the streaming platforms and a couple of big studios fighting against the you know the little guys which is the writers and how far it's going it's just going to come down to how far each one can you know bend before they break um but i think it is important because if the writers get steamrolled on this one i don't think they're going to have a better shot you know moving forward i think it's going to really segment the writers and you're going to have a lot of issues uh, moving forward. But then the other side is that if the Hollywood system starts to break down a little bit, that may not be the worst thing ever. I think the indies, if the writers can hold out for you know nine months to 12 months, I think that the lack of content that's going to be able to get produced gives indie filmmakers um, 
you know, the opportunity to kind of slide in there to kind of show that their stuff, you know, can be viewed. And you're kind of seeing this in Tubi even before the writer's strike where Tubi gives indie filmmakers a voice. Um, there's a lot of people who love indie film on Tubi and discovering it and they become a fan of indie films. And you may not think these people exist, but we got 20,000 of them in our discord and I follow almost all exclusively indie stuff. I am almost all an indie fan now. And I know there's a lot of people out there who just love indie films. So it could be, you know, beneficial for indies. Um, I have been told horror stories about the last strike and how the people who got hurt most were indies. Um, that was brought to the rise of the reality TV show stuff, which really gutted international sales for indies. So when I ask people, you know, is this going to be good or bad for indies? Most the majority of the feedback is this is not a good thing for indies. Um, but I remain optimistic. I do think there's an opportunity. I think there's an opportunity for indie studios. Um, but, you know, I have no idea how it's going to play out. Yeah, I mean, it really is going to be interesting because, like, there's so many different factors going in here. And, um, you know, I think one of the, the last things I kind of want to mention is there is also kind of just from what I'm seeing in the public and kind of just like feedback there. Um, a lot of people are, you know, growing more and more discontent with the Hollywood system because they're only making remakes. They're making, you know, things that are they're not saying are very quality. And I think the reason for that, and this is kind of one of the major things I wanted to touch on uh, in the sense of the ecosystem changing is, you know, now the hardest part is not, you know, making a movie and getting it out there. The hardest part is getting eyeballs to it. You have YouTube, you have TikTok, you have all these social media apps. When, if you think about it back in the, you know, even in the nineties and the early two thousands, even in like 2010, if you really wanted to watch something or consume content, your biggest way to choose movies was to go ahead and either go to the movie theater or you go and you find yourself a DVD, like one of these right here that I'm holding up right now. And basically that was your main way to experience content. And because of that, there was such a, you know, a, a safe net for uh, these movie studios to try new things, to try new concepts, to do new ideas. When now, if you look at how much it costs to basically make these big blockbuster movies, the studios are basically giving, you know, their marching orders to the writers to say it needs to hit this beat, this beat, this beat, this beat. And it's a remake because we know the remake is going to get people out there. So while the public is kind of discontent with seeing all these remakes and you hear it all the time, the data and the backing shows that this is the safest way for Hollywood to make their money back on these movies. And when you're Hollywood, you're going to go ahead and take that safe bet 10 times out of 10. Yeah, it's a it's a dual edged sword where the reason all this stuff is being made is because people do consume it. They like superhero movies. They, you know, especially with theaters being so expensive now, you know, nobody wants to go to a movie and then have it be horrible. And not only do you are you wasting two hours of your time, you're wasting 20 bucks per person. So they see Avengers or they see Spider-Man or they see these other ones and it's a safe movie. They know what's going to you know go on. And I think we talked about this before with like Adam Sandler, why Adam Sandler does so well is because you know what you're getting with an Adam Sandler movie. It's going to be comedy, it's going to be lighthearted and you understand you know where it's going to go. So yes, we want to kind of push you know unique and creative ideas, but people have to embrace these creative ideas. You can't just make these things and then nobody goes to see them. Um, it's just not going to work. 
So I think there is a happy medium in there. I do think you have to make things that people are interested in, but you can kind of make them in a unique and new creative way. There's a lot of stories that can be told that are really cool, interesting stories that don't need to be Marvel movies. And I think a lot of these stories are being told on the indie indie forefront right now. We just made a movie with the shapeshifter. That's a cool concept that you rarely get to see. And that movie did really, really well. Um, the first month was very good. So there is an opportunity to get people's eyeballs on there as long as you're making cool, unique stories. But I do think, you know, there is a fine line. You can't be just going off making black and white movies with no sound that are like dubbed over in French. That's just not going to work. But I do hope, my biggest hope is that, you know, as you know, these streaming platforms are going to look for a little bit more filler content. They kind of go to indies, which is just a little bit different voice, which is telling a little bit different story. And everyone's so burnt out from the traditional movies that they're like, hey, like this movie, you know, the cinematography is not that good. Maybe there's some issues with the sound, but the story's wild and I'm here for it. And I think that's kind of like the mindset that we need to have, you know, but it's going to start with the viewer, man. And it's just like, there is a really good subset of people who like movies, especially indie horror movies that will give indie stuff a shot. But then we also go look at our reviews. There's a lot of people who are like, this sucked. It looked like a high school production, one star. And it's like, yeah, dude, because it's not a million dollar movie. <laughs> so it's like, you, you're going to get a lot of people like that. Um, but I do hope that eventually, and I'm like what I'm starting to see now is that more and more people are giving indie movies a chance. I think the Facebook groups are a great visibility. Um, shout out to everyone who uh, had our actors from Force of Death on their podcast. I think podcast is a great way to you know cultivate an audience of people who are more leaning indie who are ready for new stuff. Um, and I think that you know it just starts with one new indie fan at, at a time, and eventually you'll kind of get something what A24 kind of has, which is, you know, a massive uh, indie studio. Well, they're not really indie, but they make kind of indie concepts, kind of quirky movies that are just unique and different. I mean, by all definitions of Hollywood, they're a rinky dinky, tiny little indie studio still. So, I mean, that's kind of the big one and seeing them, you know, win with uh, everything, every or everything all at once, everything everywhere all at once, um, you know, it really kind of highlights just how they can start to punch up bigger. So that's going to go ahead and wrap up this episode. In the next episode, we're going to basically talk more details about what the writers are looking for, what the streamers are looking for, what potentially the outcomes are going to be. But really, this episode is kind of highlight those macro conditions that are setting them up for what we think is going to be a really, really tough and potentially long strike. As always, be sure to take a look at our Discord channel online. We make movies for our fans with our fans. So if you ever want to be on set, behind the scenes, any of that fun stuff, be sure to go ahead and take a look at our Discord channel online. Also, take a look at Force of Death. It's currently on Amazon. If you go ahead and buy and review that, it will mean the world to us because it means we get to make more movies. We get to keep on doing what we love. Until then, 